0: Welcome to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. Social media is hard, but trying to do social media as somebody else is impossible. Do you struggle with imposter syndrome? Do you hate seeing yourself on camera? Are you unsure of what platform to be on and how often to show up there? Well, join the club. On every episode, you'll hear a real-life person talk about their successes and struggles on social media how they overcame their own insecurities and they'll give practical insight for you to apply today. So, if you're ready, let's start the show. What is up everybody? Welcome to a special 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 edition of the social media mindset. And today, we we may talk a little bit about social media. We may not talk about social media. Today, is all about inspiration. Today is all about encouragement. Today is all about calling ourselves to greater. And uh the gentleman that I've got on with me, Scott Wittig. Scott, you you've been in mortgage for 27 years. You you've done this um for just a little while. And when when I met you, uh I guess you you heard me on a webinar, you reached out you told me you'd written, written some books and I went and looked and was like, holy cow, I got to get this guy on the show <laughs> and so we can just talk about this stuff. So first of all, thank you for saying yes to coming on the show.
1: Yeah, man. I love it. Happy to be here. Thankful, thankful, thankful for sure. I appreciate
0: it. So so you've been in mortgage 27 years, but, but it sounds to me as I'm getting to know you, you care way more about the, the three books that you've written that have nothing to do with mortgages, That's right? then, then you care, uh, about mortgage. And, and so what, what inspired you? Like, why did you ultimately choose to even write a book in the first place?
1: Good question. I, I had been through a ton of coaching, done a ton of reading, just like you obviously have with all those fancy books behind you. Yeah. I'd I've, done I've read the- like
0: three of them. So. <laughs> all right
1: <laughs> We appreciate your honesty. Um, and But the, the coaching and the reading, I had taken a ton of notes from all the reading that I did, highlighted the snot out of these books, made notes and all that. And as I was being coached, mostly on mortgage stuff, but life planning and that kind of thing, I realized I've got all this knowledge that I've gathered from reading these books and taking all these notes and all these ideas. Why shouldn't I put that into a format that I would like to read and that would help my fellow man. So I literally just took all those notes and, and kind of organized my chapters and decided, you know, how I wanted to frame that, what I wanted to, how I wanted to serve an audience with it and just started writing. My kids were little, but you know, as soon as they were asleep, I was upstairs writing.
0: Wow! So which one, which one of the three was your first one?
1: The first one was called Holy It a guide to finding and doing your thing, your it, your, your thing that you're put on this planet to do or super passionate about. That was the first one.
0: I love it. So, so talk me through, you know, the, we're on with the author. So, I mean, who better to give the, the synopsis of the book than, than the the man that wrote it. So like what, what, what was the inspiration for Holy it?
1: The, for the title or just the book overall?
0: Yeah, both. Yeah.
1: Okay. The title came to me literally as I was praying. I had thrown around all kinds of ideas for names and I was like, I had written about your it. That's w- just what I called it. Your thing, not the it factor that we hear about with actors or whatever, but yeah. your it, your thing that, that you know you should be doing that maybe you're not. And I wrote a little, I was just at the beginning of my faith journey when I was writing the book. And so I knew a little about religion and had a little bit of a tie-in in the book in there. And then that title, as weird as it is, I mean it's a weird title. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. But <laughs> it's your holy it. It's your thing that that ideally what as people are reading it, they're thinking about, you know, possibly their God-given purpose, their thing that they're here to do for the rest of us. So that's where the title came from. The idea for how for what I was trying to accomplish with it was a lot of it, and a, a lot of this came out, or even became clear after I wrote it, where it was very much helpful for, or very helpful for people that are working at IBM but want to be doing charity work, or mm. you know, they have this this disconnect in their life where whatever they're doing for their paycheck is not connected to what they feel like they're on the planet to do, or what they're super passionate about. So it proved to be a way to get that message out to people to get them from inaction to being in action. You know, there's put that yeah. space bar in that word. It goes from inaction to being in action, and so that was the idea behind it was to shift people from sitting there with the thing that they're not acting on to getting into action on
0: it. What What is your favorite like story or illustration from the book?
1: Well, one thing that comes to mind is just, it, it actually came after writing the book. It wasn't a story in it, but it was okay. somebody that I made cry with the book, with wow. the message from the book. She, this was a woman that was really just had her stuff together. She was a, she was a marketing person like yourself and just really out there and popular and successful business. And she read the book and just realized that she needed to be doing something different mm. and it brought her to tears. So it wasn't necessarily a shift in what he does for a living, but it was more how he did it. So to me, that was that was pretty cool um, to just you know you know when you speak to an audience, if you can make somebody cry, it's actually kind of cool because it means yeah. <laughs> Matt,
0: so so you would say then that sometimes finding your it could cause you to completely change course and do something entirely different. Other times finding your it may just reshape why you do what you do. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or just finding purpose in what you're doing or or doing it a little differently or using different words and how you, how you present what you do to people. But, um, yeah, yeah, definitely either one.
0: Why do you think so many people lack purpose in, in what they're doing?
1: Part of it, I think is they, they don't give it the attention it deserves. They don't pay attention to it young enough in life. Like one of the, one of the coolest opportunities I got out of that, that book was to speak to a group of 700 undecided college kids. Wow. And I was like, y'all have the opportunity to connect what you go to school for with possibly your purpose for being on this planet. And I bet you the majority of your parents really wish they had that opportunity. And wish they had had that conversation and paid attention to the importance of this way back when, because now there's this big disconnect in their lives where they just can't stand what they're doing, but they feel trapped. Mm.
0: Now in that in that scenario, were you able to speak as clearly as you wanted to, like the spiritual aspect of this, or did you have to kind of keep it a little bit more like mainstream in the way you you talked about it?
1: Yeah, I definitely did, and frankly, at that time, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the 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 faith based, you know, the faith background and the faith based yeah. kind of knowledge and language. I didn't know, I didn't know enough about religion or faith or Christianity or whatever to to speak to it. So I would, as far as I would probably go, would be to say something about your God given purpose and kind of leave yeah. it there.
0: So was this was this first book written like before? Your like big, like faith encounter.
1: It was right at the beginning of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was a part of it and it was right at the beginning of it. Yep.
0: And that's incredible. And, and how long ago did you did this book?
1: It was 2008. It was a while ago.
0: Okay. So here, so, so, okay. So this is interesting based on like what we know about our industry that in 2008, everybody's world was falling apart. Yep. And that's was that where my part hair of-
1: went? That's probably when my hair that's, started. That's where your your hair plumped.
0: started leaving. <laughs> All that debt just took your hair with it, yes, sir. So, was was this book a part of 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 that, or was it just God's timing of you just happened to be writing this book as the world was collapsing around our industry?
1: Yeah, I think it was more the latter. Um, yeah, it, I don't. Yeah, I think that it was more the latter, and and. What it led to shortly thereafter was um, we, had a, we had a locked little girl really close to our family that was young, mm-hmm. eight years old. And I got connected to a group of people that were doing fundraisers for the family and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was all, a lot of it was at cert and they were cert people and all that. So I got connected to, kind of got to connect. Who I was as a person already. I knew I was a good guy and cared a lot about other people and was very empathetic and and all of that. But to connect that to faith and be like, oh, that's the team I want to be on. (laughs) Mm, And one of my coaches called me out. This was a really cool experience, but the beginning of, of this life coaching program that I went through, they had us write our own eulogy. Yeah. Which is like I was like, whoa, wow. <laughs> how to rock your world. But he kind of called me out because I said something in my own eulogy about like an overflowing church. Like, here's this overflowing church of people. Why I cared so much about how many people were there. I don't know. I could give a rip now. But, um, <laughs> but then in the rest of my life plan that I wrote for coaching, I didn't have a faith account. I didn't have anything about faith in there. So he called me out and this was all at about the same time that I wrote the book. So it was really cool how that all came together.
0: So what is the, when it, when it comes to like finding your, your it, what, what is like the pillar question that you ask people to kind of begin that process,
1: man, I love that you asked that question and this was not planned. So when I was given a bunch of speeches to promote the book, I would give the example. I would have everybody in the audience close their eyes, and I would say, "You're getting ready to walk into your own surprise birthday party." And I'd have everybody count, and we'd say, "Surprise!" And I'd tell them to open their eyes. I said, "Okay, look around. You're at your own birthday party. Who's there? Mm. Your family members, your all, your neighbors, your closest friends, your coworkers." These are all the people that know you the best. So if I walked in and put my arm around you and said, what did this person be doing in their lives or with their lives that they're not right now? What would all these people say? There's your answer. And a lot lot of those answers would be the same because those people know and love you and know why you're here, what you're good at, what you care about, what you're passionate about. So there's the, the guiding question. It's like, uh, you know, you do a 360 review at work or whatever you want to sure. call things. It's that kind of thing. But with you, the human being told by all these people that know and love you.
0: Man, I love that. I love that. So that's, so we, we could spend an entire episode just talking about holy it, but that's just a <laughs> third of the trilogy of books <laughs> that, that you've currently got available for people. Uh, assuming they go in order is, is the second one mess to message?
1: The second one is The Second Day, ironically. But oh, okay. Yes. Second okay. is second. Yep.
0: So so the second one is called The Second Day. And so talk to us about what what is that book about?
1: It's ba- The title is based on the Mark Twain quote that says the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you realize why you were born. Yeah. Which is such a... Powerful statement. Yeah. Uh, the, the second day is about that second day, the day you realize why you were born. And so after I wrote the first one, I realized, hmm, teenagers really need to hear this message. Teenagers need to know there's yeah. a reason they're on this planet, young adults, teenagers, whatever. And that it tied immediately into it, it, gave me a place to take all the mess that I went through in high school, which is included two suicide attempts wow. and to do something good with that for yeah. my fellow man. And so I took the message of Holy it, which is, you know, there's a reason you're here. Wow. Let's get into action on it with, okay, teenagers, we want you here. We need you to get in touch with the fact that first of all, that there is a reason you're here. Call that a God given purpose, whatever you want to call it. And you're, we're waiting for it. We need it. We want to hear it. We want you to be here to share that gift with us.
0: What does the process look like of, of walking them through like identifying that?
1: So it's written, the book is written very different. The first one is very much a, a you know, fiction self helpy kind of book with action steps and stop at the end of the chapter and answer these questions kind of stuff. Yeah. The second one is, it's, I say it's full of truth. It's basically the first half of it is a true story. And it's me walking the reader through the mess that I went through trying to take my own life. Mm. And then the second half is written by a co-author. And that's where the fiction, basically the entire second half is fiction. And that's where the reader is taken to a God figure in the book. It's not called God or it's, but it's very clear that that's what it is. Yeah. And walk through the idea that you are worthy of being here and we want you here. Mm. So it's written as, as uh, essentially as a novel. Yeah. Uh, But I know plenty of teenagers have read it and it's helped them. And that's awesome.
0: (laughs) So how did it work in, in your own story? right? Having, having two suicide attempts in high school, what, what was the turning point for you back then that, that kind of helped rewrite your story? Two
1: things were very clear. One was getting to see love in one room. I got the, it was jarring at the time, but I was taken to a therapy appointment And I might get all emotional here talking about this, but to a therapy appointment and had no idea this was going to happen. But there were 12 people that loved me all in that room. So it was my parents, my brother and sister, my football coach, my fifth grade teacher, my neighbors, my godfather, you know, all of these people, just like I talked about with who would be at your surprise party. Those people were in a room for me to tell me that they would have missed me if I was gone. And God, do I wish that all of us, teenagers, young adults, adults, would get that opportunity, because that changed. That that was like, oh wow, it would have mattered if I was gone. Oh yeah, let's let's not do that again. Um, The other was immediately being able to flip it and help friends that were struggling. Mm. So I'm from whatever you want to call that, from counseled to counselor. With yeah. but yeah. I immediately became the guy that got the 1am phone calls from his friends that were struggling with stuff and that kind of thing. And so I just, and that's honestly, it's the segue, but that's where mess to message picks up as it basically teaches us to find the good in the not so good.
0: Well, and I, I I think it's so, you know, well, God's timing's perfect. And, you know, just this week, a really famous, you know, dancer and, you know, um, Twitch, you know, took his own life and I just don't think we talk about enough. Just the, the, the holes in our lives that, you know, we just assume like, oh, you know, he does videos all the time. Like his, his family looks happy in photos. He's probably doing great. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I love like, you know, you're wearing a shirt right now that just says be good to people. Yeah. And, um, there's just so much power in, in realizing that like, I'm not on this earth to please myself. I'm on this earth to serve others exactly right right and it's just it's such a game changer uh but but it's heartbreaking
1: you know to to hear
0: these stories
1: it is and what what i remember very clearly is how clueless the people that found out including my parents were Uh. that i was struggling so to hear that about twitch I hate to say, didn't surprise me. It surprised me because all the surface stuff that you just described, but it didn't surprise me because I totally hit it. I was a captain of the football team and I had the good looking girl for all that mess in high school,
0: but I was bad and nobody knew it. So, so Scott, looking back, because I know so many people that are listening to this episode, like they have teenage kids right now. Or or they've got 10-year-olds that are just a couple years away from being teenagers. Were there signs that your parents could have seen if they would have been looking? Or or are we just saying to people, like, just hope it's not you because some people are just so good at masking it, right? Like, what, what's the advice to the parent of a teenager to be able to begin to understand, like, where their child is, you know, with all this stuff?
1: Yeah, I, that's, you know, that's a hard question, but I think the answer, no, I don't think, I personally, I don't think I gave off signs. And okay. I think a lot of kids don't give off signs. Heck, you hear stories about parents that don't find out that their kids were doing drugs until they OD'd. Sure. So, and that's, I mean, that's a hard thing to hide, but people manage to hide it. So, My personal thing is if you're not if you're not trained or you've not read as a parent about signs to look for and things like that, I I wouldn't say I give parents a path, but it ain't easy. Parents ain't easy as it is, let alone that. Yeah. But what I will say that parents can do proactively, and frankly, it's what I'm gonna, I think write my next book about, but is show them love. Create that room that I got to walk into, create that room now. We use the term celebration of life as unfortunately it's, it's stuck to that after people die. Yeah. Why don't we do that before? Right. Don't we show people that room? Here's all the people that love you. They could walk in. I mean, I've, I've thought about, you know, they could walk in, it could be an open house. People walk in, give them a hug. I love you and leave. Or it could yeah. be a big fancy formal thing, but for kids to get to see, like I said, kids, young adults, adults, yeah, see, these are the people that love me. Wow, mm. I personally, I think that's a huge first step. Yeah, I, you
0: know, my I just turned forty last month, and you know, my wife, um, she reached out to a ton of people and had them write me letters. Yeah. And, and then surprised me with this binder, you know, full of, of letters. And, you know, it's just, it. Like I just sat there and weeped through the entire thing because sadly we do say the nicest things to people at their funerals. Yep. You know, that's when we say nice things we're
1: when we're together, we want to like, you
0: life. know, call yep. each other names and pick at each other. <laughs> and, you know, like. We just we don't typically get kind of mushy gushy, right? Until after people are gone, because it's awkward to us.
1: Yep, it's and just so it totally I, I think, happen when we're walking the planet.
0: I think it's um, I think it's unbelievable advice, uh, and and I think to to try to bring the slightest bit of social media help, you know, to this conversation. What I tell people all the time is, when when I'm doing my videos, I tell people that like I care. More about helping you than I care about looking stupid. <laughs> right. That's why I do it. I don't do it for my accolades. I don't do it for the likes. I don't do it for the pats on the back. I do it because I hope and pray that there's one person somewhere that needed that message today. And that's who I did it for. Yes, sir. You know, and, 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 and then the benefit of that is it's going to help you close more home loans, right? That's the benefit. That's not why I do it, but that's the benefit. I get more speaking gigs because I, I get new coaching clients as, a, as an overflow of serving people first.
1: Yep. It's a, the book that changed my life bef- just before all this, before I started writing and coaching and being introspective and that kind of thing was a book called Love is the Killer App. It was written in probably 2004 by a okay. guy named Tim Sanders, and he's a big time author and speaker, New York Times, big, gets paid big money to speak and all, but I'm a total man crux on the guy. And it's been fortunate yeah. to, be interact, to interact with him a little bit over the years, but it was all about bringing love into business. And it was just sharing your network, sharing your knowledge, just putting you know, your humanities first and the business follows people are naturally going to say good things about you and refer yeah. you and whatever that looks like. So yeah, that mindset is awesome. I'm glad you have it. And man, you, you have an awesome wife that got you all those letters. Cause that was, there,
0: there's no huge. doubt. There's no doubt. But now I think, you know, like I want to go get letters written for the kids, you know, so that at 10 and seven, they're already getting that reinforced love from people. Yep. You know, I love it. It's powerful. So, so you you already kind of mentioned it, but your your third book. So it was Holy It the second day, and then your your most recent book is is Mess to Message.
1: Yep.
0: Right, which I love, (laughs) and and so 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 give us a give us a brief overview of that one.
1: I've I've been through a lot, not just the stuff we've talked about, but just I mean we've all we let's be honest we've all been through a lot of crap and a lot of rough stuff, and I just decided my mindset as a positive person and and somebody that um, really always tries to be optimistic and glasses half full is that yeah. there's good that can come from the not so good. So I took a bunch of the life challenges I had been through, whether that was losing a parent or being a pallbearer at a little girl's funeral or whatever those things might be, trying to take my own life, all that. And wrote each chapter by telling the story of whatever the mess was, but taking it to the message. So every every chapter ends with what's the good or the benefit or the whatever word you want to use that came from this. And then had my, a friend of mine that's a Christian author and speaker, Alison Kane, wrote part B to every chapter. So mine's part A, hers is part B. Hers was basically a biblical reflection on the challenge that I just wrote about. So the idea is that a Christian can have their beliefs reinforced by reading, here's the the message piece of it, and here's how the Bible speaks to that. Um, or ideally, and I, 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 who knows if this ever happened, but somebody might read the book that's not a believer and that be their way to see how God is still in our lives with this book that was written mm. 2000 years ago. And it was so cathartic for me to write it. And it took me a while. It took her like a day. I don't know. She, she, yeah. as soon as she read my, cause I had my whole part written. As soon as she read it, it just started. Pour, it was pouring out of her what you wanted to write in her part of each chapter. So that's oh. where the the method's mess, name comes from.
0: What What would you say? You know, I, I have a ton of friends. I'm sure you have a ton of friends that like they're they're just genuinely good people, but they're not religious. They don't, you know, they don't have a a so called faith that they would you know, be, be tuned into the way, the way that you and I are, what, what, what do you say to that person?
1: I think it, it, it part, initially, I think it's just gain knowledge, just be open and take in knowledge from wherever yeah. you're most comfortable getting it. Listen to an Andy Stanley podcast. I mean, that guy speaks to everybody. He, I personally think he's a genius at yeah. the way he does things. Listen to, a, he talks about how to live life and then he ties in how he sees God in that story. Yeah. Um, just listen, be open. I mean, being so closed minded about things, I just, I just don't think it's healthy. Um, that, I mean, that's my first, and that's how yeah. I started. I mean, I yeah. started listening to things, I started paying attention to what my Christian friends, said and did and just how they rolled in life. And again, like I said before, I'm like, that's the team I want to be on.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I I used to tell when I was a youth pastor, you know, and I, again, and I don't even know if this is, you know, completely accurate to scripture, but I, I would tell my young people that we're struggling with things that teenagers should never struggle with. That you know, I just believe that God allows certain people to go through certain things because He knows they're strong enough to come out the other side, and then be able to be that encouragement to others. Right. You know, and and again, I don't know if there's a verse in the Bible that actually says that, or if that's just me trying to be a good a good leader to these young people. But I I, I truly believe. That the only way out of our struggles is to see other people avoiding them because they know us.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I say. I just I feel like how hopeless can life be if you don't have faith in 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 something bigger? I, I just. How do you get through losing a child at age eight if you don't have, have faith in God? I just mm, don't know. Yeah. I, I've never researched the statistics, but what do families that have been through that kind of thing look like on the other side of it when they did or didn't have faith as they were going through it? I, yeah. I, I would guess <laughs> that some are, are in much better places now than others.
0: 100%. Um, mm. Scott, what? what would you, what would you say to the person that is, is just struggling today? Um, whether it's, whether it's suicidal thoughts or, or whether it's, you know, kind of like me, you know, you turn 40 and you just start rethinking everything. And am I where I'm supposed to be? Have I wasted, you know, X number of years of my life, uh, just to the, to the person that, that, is being really hard on themselves. What would, what would your message to them be?
1: I think, at A, it's never too late. Or number one, it's never too late. Um, number two, I think you've got to look at everything that you've been through to date is a building block for where you're headed. Somehow, some way, the good, bad, and the ugly of your life to that day can serve you in wherever you're headed. Yeah. The other thing is the, like the message, one of the things that I shared with a lot of people when I was promoting Holy it was your next step doesn't have to be your last step. So if you're, if you feel like you've wasted your life up to date, or you've just been a clock puncher and you've not been, been doing something for the greater good, uh, you've just been helping IBM's bottom line or whatever it is, your next step doesn't have to be your last step. So it doesn't have to be this if this is a thing that you're trying to do to, to help with your happiness, but also with feeling purposeful, yeah, you don't have to quit IBM and go start a nonprofit to serve sick kids. Right. You can do that while you're still at IBM. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't, I'm not trying to, whatever it is what it is. We, we did start <laughs> a nonprofit to serve sick kids. That's probably why that came out of my mouth like that, but I didn't leave my job to do it. Sure. I, I just took my network that I had built from being a mortgage banker for 27 years and knowing everybody in town to do good things for, for kids that were living through a health challenge. But yeah. I, didn't have to, I didn't have to leave my job to go do that. So yeah. I think part of the advice is just don't think that it's the big hairy beast that's going to take all of your money and all your time and all your resources. You can take baby steps to get there.
0: Right. Yeah, I I think that's huge. I I don't know if this is if the advice I want to give is because I just spent time at Disney and uh, it's on my mind. But, you know, in in Frozen 2, uh, we saw a lot of Anna Anna and Elsa uh, over the last week at Disney. You know, she sings a song. Anna sings a song in Frozen 2 that's called Do the Next Right Thing. Mm hmm. And, and there's a famous quote out there, and I don't know, I don't remember who it or who it was originated by, uh, but the quote says, you know, we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in a decade. That's awesome. And I just think if, if we would just be focused on the next right thing, and sometimes the next right thing will reveal to be the wrong thing. But we wouldn't have known it was the wrong thing if we wouldn't have proceeded as if it was the right thing.
1: Yeah. And what's the worst thing that can happen? I, I, one right. of the things I heard is, what's the worst thing that can happen if you start this business or blah, 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 whatever it is? They can't eat you. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um,
1: but I think I, I love that. And I think having the right people by your side. Is so huge, you know, wow. have the cheerleaders create your own accountability. Don't be afraid to tell people you're writing a book. And go ahead right. and call me out on it or put it on Facebook. Hey, I'm writing my next book. Yeah. And now all of a sudden people are pinging you. Don't be afraid to take this saying, be good to people and put it on your license plate. So you're a kind driver on the road.
0: Right. I have, I I have a
1: short version of be good to people on my license plate. So I make sure I'm a good guy on the road because you damn sure can people off when your license plate says be good. Right.
0: Well, so, so what Scott, what's funny is my, so my, my parents have always told me, Like I remember hearing this when I was at middle school, they would always say, Kyle, to someone, you are the best representation of Jesus that they will ever know. Yes, sir. On your worst day, you may still be the best representation of Jesus that they'll ever know. Yeah, and you know, for thirty years, that has just always been something that's rang true inside of me. That when I'm mad, when I'm ticked off, when I feel like I've been taken advantage of, no matter what, I'm still the best representation of Jesus that somebody may ever see.
1: Yeah, and, well, and, and it I take right that to the discussion we've had about social media and how do you show up? Yeah, in all different places online, show up as that person.
0: Right. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Huge, man. I this is I can't wait to do an episode after your fourth book comes out. <laughs> and we'll we'll do a follow-up. Uh man, this has been incredible. And so I Thanks. just just let me say before we finish. Anyone listening, if you if you are having suicidal thoughts, if you are struggling to to find out which way is up, if if you are are constantly just being hard on yourself, please don't allow the part of you that will convince you that, that that's normal. You're fine. Or the part of you that wants to say you're not worth it anymore. You know, your family would be better off without you. Your friends would be better off without you. Please come have a conversation with me or with Scott yeah. or with somebody because you are valuable. Here.
1: You matter. You matter. We, you have gifts. We want to enjoy them.
0: 100%. This world is not a better place without you. Exactly right. And so, Scott, man, I love your heart. I appreciate you for, for putting all your thoughts on on these pages for us to, to grow and learn from. And uh, if people want to follow you, where do they, where do they go to find you?
1: ScottWittig.com is is uh, honestly it's the <laughs> it's where everything sits and i'm not overly active with it i'm paying my bills by doing home loans but i'm doing this stuff as, as time allows and um that's where a link to the book is or are and
0: some blog posts as well but soon soon to come we're going to get you crushing it on video yes so sir that, so that you're also found on social media as well
1: you got it. And I heard you can help a little with that.
0: That's right. I might have a little experience in that, in that territory. <laughs> so thank you. guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh I, I, I pray that, that this makes an impact on, on somebody that chooses to, to listen to this episode and we'll be back real soon with another cool story from a cool person. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow and reach out to my guest. Also, please consider sharing and leaving a review wherever you consume this content because this is the world we live in and your review online for others to see is invaluable for the success of this show. And remember, you're amazing. Talk to you soon.